So let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of the preaching of the word, Jeremiah 17, verses 10 through 18. Father, we come before you once again, and we ask that you would bless us. We ask that you would speak to our hearts. We pray that you would change our hearts. We pray that we would see you in these passages. We pray that the reading of the word would be clear and the preaching of the word would be clear. Please change our hearts as we study Jeremiah. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 10 through 18. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches but not by justice. In the midst of his days, they will leave him. And at the end, he will be a fool. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth. For they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. Behold, they say to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. I have not run away from being your shepherd, nor have I desired the day of sickness. You know what came out of my lips. It was before your face. Be not a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. Let those be put to shame who persecute me, but let me not be put to shame. Let them be dismayed, but, not let, uh, but let me not be dismayed. Bring upon them the day of disaster. Destroy them with double destruction. And thus since the reading of the very word of God. Many of you know when I was in college doing my undergraduate work, I worked at a place called MCI Worldcom, and I was a telemarketer. Please do not judge me. You probably received phone calls in the, in the late 90s from me personally. Uh, and in that town, there were many people that worked at this call center in the evenings. It was a college town. There was a Baptist Bible College where I went. There was Central Bible College, which was the Assemblies of God Seminary in the Midwest. And there was Evangel College, which was another Assemblies of God College. And there was also Southern Missouri State. At that time, it was Southwest Missouri State, but now it's Missouri Southern. And, and it, it was a very large college, much like Georgia Southern. And at this call center, many people would go and work there who were college students to make some money to pay for their school. And I remember going to this huge break room, and there's almost 1,500 people that work there. And if you can imagine a bunch of college students in a break room in the evenings, the discussions that were going on, sometimes they make you cringe. This is the late 90s. I can't imagine what it's like now. But the conversations they have, so you'd sit there and, and you'd hear the conversations and you, you would think to yourself, I, I don't want to be a part of this conversation. Like your own skin would start going, ooh, this is, this is not what I, what I want to talk about. And it was really odd. Every time you'd eat your dinner, all of a sudden it seems that the people from Central Bible College and Baptist Bible College and Evangel, though we saw things so differently, it seemed that we would always come together because we knew we were not like everyone else. We knew they were completely 
different than us. They spoke differently. They thought about things differently. They wanted to do things differently when they were done. And there was such a difference between us and them, it's almost as if we huddled together. Jeremiah in this passage is praying to God and he's reminding himself, he's reminding the remnant that will read this when they get to Babylon, that we are not like everyone else. Have you ever been to that moment when you're looking around and there's a bunch of non-Christians and you're thinking, I don't have anything in common with these people. They are completely different from me. And sometimes your skin feels different. You just feel like you're a whole different person. Jeremiah is telling us we are different. We are completely different. We are not like them. That's your one point today. We are completely different from them. And he's going to give nine different ways that we are different. So technically you could say it's nine points, one point and nine subpoints. But we're going to work our way through this passage, and I, I wanted to focus on that tonight. The ways that we are different from the world. The first way that we are different is our rewards are quite different. I covered this last week a bit, but look at verse 10. We see it's the Lord that searches the heart and tests the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. We are different because we are not judged eternally in the aspect of how we get to heaven according to our deeds. But the world is. When the world stands before the Lord on the final day of judgment, they will be judged according to their deeds, according to their works. And I'm not talking about the final judgment. We're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what we have done in the body. But he will look at them and God will judge them according to their deeds eternally. Are they making it to glory based upon their deeds? We know that their deeds do not line up. Jeremiah is reminding us that yes, you get what you deserve unless you're the remnant, unless you're the Christian. See, we're not judged according to our works. We're judged according to the works of Christ. That's the reason we love imputed righteousness. Because God looks at us and in spite of our terrible works and in spite of the things that we have done sinfully, our position is you're forgiven because of the works of Jesus. And Jeremiah is crying out this prayer. Hopefully people are going to read it and they will read it when they're in Babylon. You got what you deserve, but the remnant, we, we get mercy and grace. We're quite different than everyone else. Because the works of Jesus count for us. The second thing we're going to see is we don't live for riches. Jeremiah is going to talk about this partridge, and we've heard the 12 days of, of, of Christmas, that partridge in a pear tree. Probably a bad translation from the French, at least the song is. But he likes his birds. And if you've been following along in the Jeremiah sermon series, it seems like he's speaking about birds often. Birds are teaching him a lot. And he says this in verse 11, Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by justice. Now he's not talking about just wealth in and of itself. It's not, it's not sinful in and of itself. He's talking about people 
who abuse the system and do everything they can to take what's not theirs. And he thinks about the partridge. It's kind of like a quail. Oftentimes, quail will lay eggs and, and, and then get afraid and run off. And the partridge will come take advantage of the quail running off. And the partridge would sit there and intubate those eggs thinking, look what I've got. Look at all my eggs. They're mine. And then they hatch. And what does the little quail do to the partridge? You're not my mommy. And they take off. And Jeremiah uses this little illustration talking about ill-gotten gain. See, this is the way the world works. The world will do everything they can to cheat, cheat, steal, steal. All they want is more, more, more. But, but see, we're different than that. We're not like that. And you see this passage in the midst of his days, they will leave him. Just like the little quail leaves the partridge, at the end, he will be the fool. This is, this is what Jesus is speaking about in Luke 12. The man who gathered and gathered and gathered and gathered. And then Jesus says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. You'll have nothing left. I find it fascinating, and, and this is how my brain works, which is terrible to look into sometimes, but it seems that the, the prosperity gospel preachers have to be dispensationalist. And you're saying, what? <laughs> if you preach the prosperity gospel, that God is here to only give you blessings, right? You're saved, now you must be rich. You have to be a dispensationalist. And here's the reason why. Because dispensationalists believe that all the promises in the Word are for the here and now. God made Abraham rich. One of the wealthiest men we see in Scripture. Filthy rich. But see, those blessings are spiritual, just like the land was spiritual. His life is a spiritual issue for us. These are spiritual issues. And the world sees what? The here and now. Gather as much as he can. But, but Jeremiah says, see, we're different. We know that eternity is what, what, what matters. We can't take anything with us. Calvin will laugh at this verse almost and say the people who have ill-gotten gain and try to gather and gather and gather, they don't even enjoy as much of stuff as we who don't have as much as they do enjoy. They can't enjoy it because they don't have the Spirit. But we, on the other hand, are quite different from the world. We understand that we can't take riches with us and God may call us home tonight. Another way we're different is we know where the true temple is. Look at verse 12. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. You understand that Judah was living in the land and they thought the temple of the Lord gave them all the security in the world. You've heard the sermons through Jeremiah, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Jeremiah can't be right because we have the temple of the Lord. No one can touch us. Babylon's not going to destroy us. They put their hope and trust in this temple. And then it's destroyed. See, Jeremiah knows one day that there's going to be a remnant in Babylon. And you've read about some of these kids like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and other people like Daniel. Real, strong, Christian people who love the remnant who, who love the Redeemer. They're reading this and they say, remember what Jeremiah said? Oh, the temple doesn't exist, but a glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. 
There's a real throne room of God. God can't be contained in that little box, as some people thought. God can't be contained in the temple. They look beyond the here and now. Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Jeremiah says, see, we're a bit different. We understand that God cannot be contained in something made by hands. We know that God lives in the heavens. We know that Jesus Christ is there on the right hand of God. And His Spirit is here. We know that when we take the Lord's Supper, we know where His body is, not the exact zip code. If you do, let me know. I don't know where it is, but we know His body is a real body, and it is somewhere that He ascended into heaven, but spiritually He will be with us tonight. And you know, churches all around the world are eating the supper with Christ spiritually. It was good that He went away. So every church can spiritually feed on Christ. And here, Jeremiah is reminding us the temple can't contain God. We must look toward heaven for this is where our God lives. Not only did he say we're different from the world, our rewards are different. He also says we are people that we don't live for riches. We also know where the true temple is. But the fourth thing we'll see is that, that we have no shame. And shame is interesting. It's been written about lately and if I can go to a place to kind of show you what shame is like, I, my mind goes to home alone. I know it's not Christmas time, but you don't mind if I talk about a Christmas movie, do you? Do you remember that movie, Home Alone? Do you remember Kevin? He got left at home. He, he, was, he was eating pizza. And they order pizza and everything's real hectic in the opening scene. And Buzz, oh, it's all Buzz's fault, by the way takes that cheese pizza from Kevin. That's not right. He didn't like pepperonis. He just wanted a cheese pizza. And he ate that cheese pizza. And he rubbed it in the face of Kevin. Ha, ha, ha. And Kevin pushes his brother and the milk spills and the whole family's staring at little Kevin. Shame. Every single one of them just looks at him. Shame. How dare you. See, in the ancient Near East, shame was a huge, huge factor in people's lives. It was culturally acceptable, appropriate, and it should be done to look on people in shame. I can't believe you would do this. And in this culture, we read in verse 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. If all who forsake you will be put to shame, that means those who don't forsake you have no shame. My mind went to the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Even in that culture, there was a shaming. The son would go and, and leave his father? Shame on him! And they would line up as the son came through and they would shame him. But, but see, that's not what the father does. See, the father runs. And he meets the son. And he says, you won't shame this boy. He's mine. Put a Put a coat on his back. Put a ring on his finger. This is what God does to us. You won't shame us. And you could think of the angels in heaven. These created beings. Look at down and say, you had everything. You had everything. And look what you did with it, Judah. But we stand in glory. 
And the angels go, I can't believe you saved these people. This is incredible. Can't believe it. Look at them. They're, they're saved. Not only they're saved, they're higher than the angels. Why? Because they get a crown. They're children of the king. This is what we get. And Jeremiah is saying, we are so different, we have no shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of the living water. Remember the, the pen of stone with the diamond blade we spoke about last week and it's, and it's permanent? When you write things in the earth, it's not so permanent, is it? It just kind of blows away. Reminds me of John 8. I can't wait for Pastor David to get to John 8. If you don't know what a textual variant is, go Google it because he's going he's gonna to explain it to us. I just get excited. He's really good at that stuff. Our names are written in the land's book of life. Of Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world for those written in the book of life. They can't be erased. See, we're different. Our names can't be erased. They're just not written in dirt. It is so sure that Jesus Christ said it was, he was slain before the foundation of the world for those written in the book of life. It's incredible. Jeremiah is saying this. And he's saying, you're different. He's saying, I'm different. We're not the same. Our names are not just going to be blown away. God has loved us before the foundation of the world, and he's going to love us throughout eternity. The fifth thing we'll see is we're a lot different from the world. Why? Because we know deliverance will come. Now, this is his fourth confession. Some believe it starts in verse 12. Don't know where it starts in my mind. But we know he makes confessions and some laments. And he's praying to God. He's praying on behalf of the people. He wants people to see this. And he wants us to know we know where deliverance comes from and we know it will come. Verse 14, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Jeremiah is under intense pressure. Remember, his, home, his own family from Anathoth wanted to kill him. People wanted him dead. His own family wants him dead. Usually your family likes you no matter what. Not Jeremiah's family. They want him dead. The people want him to shut up. If you remember Jeremiah from the Old Testament survey, they tried to shut Jeremiah up. He wouldn't shut up. He just kept writing Writing and preaching, writing and preaching. And then Beirut, writing and preaching. You can't shut up the Lord. The liberals think, oh, there's so many different copies of Jeremiah, but when you read the book of Jeremiah, it says, yeah, I wrote this a few times. <laughs> of course. Because you can't shut him up. They hated him. They hated what he was preaching. And under this immense pressure, He's different than the world, and we're different from the world. When that pressure comes, we cry out, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. We know deliverance will come. We know that our suffering is but for a time, like Peter says. Oh, you'll suffer for a short time. But after that, God is going to make all things right. See, the world doesn't cry out for forgiveness. When you put them in a pressure cooker, the last thing they think about is the goodness of God. They don't cry out for help. They don't seek Him. We are different. Jeremiah says, me, I am different. The remnant is different. 
When hard times come, we praise the Lord. When hard times come, we seek Him, and we know deliverance will come. We have seen it time and time and time again. We know our greatest need, which is we are sinners, and we need salvation. We know that's taken care of, and we will trust God with everything else. Another thing that is quite different than us from the world is we have eyes to see. That's the sixth sub-point of the first point. We have eyes to see. Verse 15. Behold, they say to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. Do you remember Jeremiah is preaching that, that judgment's coming from the north? Babylon is coming. And he's warning people. He's like, listen here. You need to get your heart right. Babylon's coming. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. And, and what does Judah do? They say, well, you know, maybe it's not. I mean, I know you say it is, but he's not coming. I guess he's not here yet. So, And they start mocking Jeremiah for this. If you've been mocked about the return of the Lord, <laughs> we believe Jesus Christ is coming again. Could be tonight. Could be 100 years from now. I don't know, but he's coming. And Proverbs teaches because discipline or judgment is delayed, men are ought to do what they want to do. And we see this playing out here. They're, they're mocking. They can't see what Jeremiah sees. Ah, judgment's not coming, Jeremiah. Because if judgment was coming, it would be here. Where's the word of the Lord? Let it come. They have no. No respect, no fear. They don't, they don't care. But see, we're different, aren't we? Jeremiah is different. Jeremiah says, I don't, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. The God of the universe said he's going to bring judgment, and he will. He has a different set of eyes. And if you're a Christian today, you have a different set of eyes. See, the kingdom is hard to see unless you have eyes to see. And the moment your heart is changed, you can see the kingdom. You can see God working. You can read the book of Esther. And to the common man, they go, this isn't Christian. God's not mentioned. You go, that's the point. You can't see it? It's all over the book of Esther. God is everywhere. If you have eyes to see. You have to have eyes to see. And God gives us eyes to see the kingdom. And Jeremiah is teaching us we are so different. We see things different. We see the world different. We see everything differently. We see the kingdom. We see this spiritual kingdom is so near to us. It's so real to us. It affects how we live. It affects how we speak. It affects everything. And we see it and people can't see it like we see it. And Jeremiah keeps telling them, we are different. We have seen the rewards are different for us. We have seen that we don't live for riches. We have seen that we know where the true temple is. We have seen that we have no shame. We know deliverance will come. We have eyes to see. We see things differently. And, and now we're seeing that Another thing that makes us different from the world is we don't retreat. Look at verse 16. I have not run away from being your shepherd, nor have I desired the day of sickness. You know what came out of my lips. 
It was before your face. Hard times come, but we don't retreat. We don't retreat. Jeremiah had hard times. They were chasing him. They wanted to kill him. They eventually kidnapped him and even take him to take him to Egypt. There was times that he admittedly said, my heart's not in the right place. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. But you know what he kept doing? Pressing on. He didn't run away from being the shepherd. He didn't run away from, from doing what was right. He didn't run away when hard times come. If you are Presbyterian, I think most of you are members here at this church, if you remember the 4th of July, the King of England called this the Presbyterian Revolt. You know why he called it the Presbyterian Revolt in the 1770s? Because we serve a king that sits on the throne. And you're not going to tell us how to worship. And because we fear God and Him alone, we now can submit to a government that protects the good of the church. We don't run away. Those men and those women who were from puritanical, meaning they read the Puritans, they didn't fear. They kept pressing on. We saw it in England. We saw it in Scotland. We saw it here in the States. We don't run away. We keep pressing forward because we understand the sovereignty of God. It, it, it runs through our veins. God is sovereign. He's in control. And He means good. And yes, hard times will come, but you know what we keep doing? We keep pressing forward. And Jeremiah says, I will continue not to run away from these people. I will continue to be your shepherd. Officers in the church, we don't run away from hard times. And they're hard. But you know what? We just keep, keep going. When sheep run away, you know what we do? We try to find them. We keep going after them. You know what? That's what Christians do too. You keep going because you know God has changed your heart. And He can change any heart. This is what God is in the business of doing. Taking old hearts and making them new. We don't run away. We continue to fight. We continue to love. We continue to ask God to save people. We don't desire the day of sickness. We don't want to see people destroyed. God, in his heart, he says, I, I, I love people. We see this. And this is the way we live. We live wanting to see God save people. The eighth thing we see is we don't fear our Father. Now, now we fear God. It says fear God and keep his commandments. But we're not in terror of the Father. Do you see this right here? Verse 17, Be not a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. Be not a terror to me when this judgment comes. He's not in complete, absolute, utter fear of His Father. He knows His Father is good. I imagine... Just imagine, and you can imagine this too, Noah on the ark praying something like this. I know his kids' room oftentimes get 
the flood scene painted in their rooms. And it's really neat. I think the animals coming to the ark is one of the coolest things in all of scriptures. But you don't paint the whole picture because you don't want seeing people the way, you know, drowning. It's really not a good picture to think about. Like if you painted that in the kid's room, it's like, man, that's kind of morbid because you like paint over that. It's really not a good scene if you think about the entire earth drowning and dying. That's the picture the scripture paints. And as God's judgment is coming all the earth, You've got Noah, seven others in this little tiny boat. <laughs> it's a big boat, but it's a boat. And he, Don't be a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. When your judgment comes, and judgment will come, disaster will come, we know we are safe. We'll have to go through droughts, just like Jeremiah and, and Judah did. We'll have to go through hard times, but our Father's not a terror to us. Fathers discipline their children, but they don't destroy their children. Jeremiah says, Father, please don't be a terror to me. He is not. We see that our rewards are different. We don't live for riches. We know where the true temple is. We have no shame. We know deliverance will come. We have eyes to see. We don't retreat. We don't fear or we're not in terror of the Father. And last, we are kept safe from destruction. We're different. Jeremiah knows that there's a remnant. He knows that there's other believers. But he also knows there will come a day where God will destroy all those who hate him and hate his people. And he writes this in verse 18, Let those be put to shame who persecute me. But let me not be put to shame. Let them be dismayed. But let me not be dismayed. Bring upon them the day of disaster. Destroy them with double destruction. Them? Destroy them, God? But, but don't, don't destroy me. Because I'm one of your children. It's, it's pretty simple. We've seen this in Scripture, just as we mentioned, Noah and the flood, the remnant. That was safe in, in the ark, wasn't it? They responded. I like to call myself, Danielle and I make fun of ourselves. We're, we're the slugs getting to the ark. It may take a while. Keep that door open. I'm going to make it. Just please leave it open. It may take a while, but I promise I'm going to get there. Moses. Seeing the glory of God, he was going to, he'd be consumed and die, but no, he was, he was hid in the cleft of the rock, wasn't he? What about the death angel? That, that great day of destruction. And you had Egyptians and you had Israelites putting blood on their doorpost, just like God said. You even saw it in the seventh plague with the hail. Some Egyptians were like, listen here, we're not playing around. Whatever God says, we're just going to do it. <laughs> We're not messing with Yahweh. And they put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passes over. Why? We're different. We're different. We're not like them. And when destruction comes, we are safe in Christ. 
we are safe in Christ. Jeremiah is reminding us over and over again, we are not like them. He's reminding himself in these prayers and these complaints, these laments is what we call. He's reminding himself, I'm not like them. And you need to know you're not like the world and that you are safe in Christ. As we close, I've had a lot of jobs. But one job I kind of always wanted, but only in the summertime. I wanted to be a designer of summer camps. I was a youth pastor. I used to go to summer camps, and sometimes they'd have jungle theme, and sometimes they'd have superhero theme. And I was like, oh, those are... I was like, I wanted to make themes for summer camps. I mean, it doesn't pay very well, and no one really cares about your opinion, so never got to do it. But I always thought the coolest scene would be aliens everywhere in like outer space, because I've always liked looking at the stars, and I'm sure this is already happening because there's nothing new under the sun. Every time I come up with an idea, someone's like, oh, it's already invented. I'm like, oh. But I just thought aliens would be this cool summer theme. Just everything revolves around aliens, outer space, because God created the outer, I mean, he created the world, he created the stars. I mean, you look at them, you're like, how can you deny there's a God? You have to be a fool to do so. And these aliens, and when you read Scripture, Peter tells us that live out your time on earth as an alien. Now, the word is technically foreigner, and I learned that later in Greek, but I still like the word alien. Live like an alien. Because people look at you sometimes and you feel like, I'm an alien compared to everyone else. I'm totally from another place. I don't belong here. And this is how we live on this world. We're totally not like everyone else. You can basically look at us and call us an alien. We're not from here. Oh, we are from here. I pray and hope you'll know that as you live your days on this earth, you're not like everyone else. You think differently, you live differently, and your security is much different too. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has paid for you and your sin on Calvary. And you can hold your head up high. You don't have to have shame because you're a child of the King. Let's ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word.